0: very good to have everyone out this morning as we continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount. This will be part 16, and I titled it Salvation. <clears throat> Before we get to our points, we're going we're to look at these, these two verses that Frank had read for us this morning. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. And so, many times we go to these passages and we say it's about prayer. Asking God and seeking blessings and Mm -hmm. and stuff. But, I'm going to take it with the context of last week. And as we continue to study the verses, the context that are, are given therein. And say that it was more about salvation. The unsaved should ask the question. Just as in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, the the Philippian jailer, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That should be the question of the lost. And we, being Christians, should be able to give them the answer. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter writes, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always what to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so when others ask us what shall we what must we do to be saved? we should be able to give them the answer. We should be able to go into the word and give them that answer. They are seeking God. Last week, we looked at preaching the gospel. These are the hearts we are looking to share the gospel with, that treasure. Jesus said told them, don't give it to the swine, but give it to the ones who are truly asking and seeking. You know, so many times when Jesus was teaching, and they would ask Jesus' question, it wasn't because they wanted truth, but they were always trying to condemn Jesus, hoping that he would say something that was contrary to God's will. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the writer writes, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them what that what diligently seek him. It will take faith in God and faith in the gospel for those seeking salvation to be what? Rewarded with it. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 when Paul's writing to the church at Rome he says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That call to appeal to the Lord that they will uh, receive salvation. In Romans chapter 10 verse 14 he says how then shall they call on him on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him Of whom they have not heard. And how should I hear without a preacher? We see the necessity of a preacher or teacher of the gospel. It is in order for them to be able to call on the name of the Lord that the word must first be taught and preached to them. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. That's how we will build our faith. That's how we will build the faith of the laws. They must have faith to please God in order to receive salvation. It requires obedience to the gospel. In Romans, chapter 16, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 16, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And so it's going to take obedience to those that are seeking in order to be saved. Remember what the Philippian jailer had asked Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16, verse 30, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Salvation requires the loss to do something to receive it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 40, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter is preaching that sermon, it says, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this onward generation. When they are ready to obey, the door of salvation is open, ready for them to enter in. On the day of Pentecost, Peter opened the door for the 3,000 souls who obeyed the gospel of Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. Jesus is speaking. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus told Peter he was giving him the keys to the kingdom of the church. In Acts chapter 2 verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, "Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, because I have the keys to the kingdom. Peter was the main speaker from the text, though all twelve apostles were preaching the gospel on that day. And why would they need to hearken to his words? In Acts chapter one, verse two, unto the day in which he was taken up—that is, Jesus uh, at the ascension. After that, after he ascended, that he through what the Holy Ghost had given commandments on the apostles whom he had chosen, and so Jesus was going to use the Holy Ghost to give them their to keep giving them the commandments. Peter was baptized with the Holy Ghost earlier in the day on the day of Pentecost. And it was through the Holy Ghost that Peter was unlocking the door. And guess what Jesus gave the commandments on? Guess what the last thing that Jesus spoke to him before they ascended to heaven, before he ascended. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, To him, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus' last moments with the apostles, he spoke on the kingdom. The Holy Ghost was was given to bring in remembrance the things taught by Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 26, that's what Jesus had told them. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have sent unto you. John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus is going to teach this parable. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. And so the church and the kingdom is the flock or the sheepfold. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, when Paul's telling the uh Speaking to the elders there in Ephesus, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. We can see the flock and the church are the same. Jesus said you must enter through the door in order to get into the church. In John chapter 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Barely, barely, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the church. John John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're seeking the Father, the only way you're going to get there is by Jesus Christ. The only way. Any other way, they are trying to what? Steal salvation. He said if you don't come through the door, you're a thief and you're a robber. John chapter 10, verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And so Jesus is the shepherd of the church. He's been made head to the body, which is the church. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. The church that would be built, even if he died, the gates of hell would not prevail against it or stop it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as what? Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, because he gave his life for the sheep. Jesus died on the cross for his church, one church. It'll be one sheepfold. We'll see that here in a minute. In John chapter uh, 10, verses 15 and 16. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep, the church. This would be here when the gospel was to go, it was to be given to who first? It was going to be given to the Jews. And so these sheep that he's referring to are the, the house of Israel. sheep but then notice, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold the Gentiles them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice the teachings of my word and there shall be one fold one church and one shepherd well where are the saved Acts chapter 2 verse 47 Praising God and having with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so the Savior in his church, they were in that sheepfold because they came through the door. And so, how does one get into that church or kingdom of God? John chapter 3, verse 5, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered, Barely, barely, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you're baptized, you cannot get into the kingdom. If Christ is the door to the kingdom, how does one get into Christ? In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, when Paul's writing to the church at Rome, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, into the door, were baptized into his death. What did Peter tell them to do on the day of Pentecost when they asked men and brethren what shall we do? Acts chapter 2 verse 38, then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What was Paul told to do to call on the name of the Lord? Acts chapter twenty two verse sixteen, and why not? Ter- why now? Oops! And now why tearest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In both instances, their sins were forgiven, remitted, washed away. The lost must be seeking God and the kingdom. They go hand in hand. They must ask what they will need to do to be saved. They must obey the teachings of Christ in order to enter the door at which they are calling or knocking. We must help them because we have the treasure in us that is earthen vessels. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, For everyone that asketh will receive, and he that seeketh will find it. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If there's someone that's truly seeking the truth, God's going to make sure that they can hear the truth. So all that say point one is good gifts. Good gifts. Matthew chapter 7 verse 9. Or what man is there of you whom If his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Now, I want you to keep it in in a salvation context. A stone may look like bread on the outside, but it's not bread. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 10, or if he asks a fish, will he give a serpent? And so they both may have scales and they both may feel the same, but they're not the same. But if you go to Luke's account, Luke's chapter 11, verse 12, or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And so to us, neither one of them would look the same, and neither one of them would feel the same. Now I did read that there was some type of scorpion in that time that would have the appearance of an egg. Um, But to us, there's no semblance between the two. And the same holds true for the gospel. When they seek the gospel, we are to preach the only gospel. In the above instances, children were seeking what? Physical food. The alternatives to the food would cause harm to the children. Possible what? Physical death. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Again, when Paul's uh, te- uh, talking to the elders there in Ephesus, take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers. So, what were the elders to do? To feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. They were to feed. And guess what? The elders were to feed the church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Well, what is the word of His grace able to do? Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. And so it is a salvation. It's going to edify you and help you to reach keep the, the heavenly phase of the kingdom one day. The word of His grace is the gospel. Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 Paul writing to the churches in the area of Galatia, he says, "But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, that which which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed." And so he's being uh, exaggerative here. He says, "If if an angel from heaven," but then verse nine, he's going to say, "And we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach, see, this is how it's going to be done. It's going to be through men." preaching any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. If another gospel is fed, fed, it too will cause harm, spiritual death. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then being evil, well, I don't... We wouldn't say evil, but... Compare to God your evil. Know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? And so this next verse Well, I'm not gonna get there yet. What gift is the lost seeking? In Romans chapter six, verse twenty three. When Paul's writing to the church at Rome, Rome. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our the Lord. They're seeking salvation. We know what we've earned. It says we've earned spiritual death, but God will be willing to give us eternal life. But guess where, mm. uh, guess where we can find eternal life? In John chapter 6, verse 68 Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Remember, Jesus said, if they hear my words, they shall come in and they'll be saved. Into the the, uh, sheepfold. But what other possible gift would they be seeking in the first century? See, if you go to Luke's account, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, and this is why I didn't do my emphasis on prayer. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? What gift did they receive on the day of Pentecost? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost was not to go to the world. See, the Holy Ghost was only to go to those that were already saved. Point number two this morning is to all creatures. To all creatures. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 Therefore all things whatsoever you would have men should do to you do you even so to them for this is the law and the prophets. Ponder this. Someone taught us the gospel when we were seeking when we were asking and when we were knocking. Should we not treat others as we wanted to be treated when lost? We are to preach the gospel to all. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As we saw last week, it depends on the heart of the listener if we continue preaching and teaching. You don't continue to cast the pearl between before the swines. Because if they judge themselves unworthy of eternal life, we are no longer to cast the pearls to the swine. We are not to have unrighteous judgment based on appearance, social status, past lifestyle, current lifestyle, etc. Remember at the beginning of of chapter 7, it says get the the beam out of your own eye before you worry about the... um, I want to say stat... No. No. Moat. moat, thank y'all. Before you, get, before you worry about the moat in your brother's eye. Well, you can't make the appear, uh, thing based on something that they have in their lifestyle that they should not receive the uh, gospel being preached to them. Look at Paul's attitude. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, when Paul's running to the young preacher, Timothy, He says, according to the glorious gospel, that's the word of grace, of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul was thankful for the encounter on the road to Damascus that Jesus chose him as a vessel to preach the gospel. That's what Ananias was told by by the Lord, that he was a chosen vessel and what was Paul like before he obeyed the gospel? Verse 13. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious and I but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. Paul truly felt he was doing God's will. Even the evil things that that Paul was doing his heart was right because he thought it was the Lord's will. There are many today that think they are doing God's will. If they don't obey the gospel, will they receive the mercy that Paul obtained? No. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. We access God's mercy, God's grace, and God's love in Christ. As we studied earlier, we are not in Christ until we have an obedient, uh, have an obedient faith to the gospel. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception, acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners... Of whom I am chief. Paul was very humble in his apostleship. And it takes humility to obey the, obey the gospel because you have to say, I'm denying self and putting Christ first. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering. For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. God is not short on mercy. God is not short on grace. And God is not short on love. He can save anyone, even Paul. That's what Paul is saying. Paul says, use him as an example for seeking the loss. All the things that he did against the church, he did it ignorantly in unbelief. but he still obtained mercy. Ananias was the earthen vessel used in the conversion of Paul. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. And he, that's talking about Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? See, again, Paul's recognizing there was something that he must do. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. See, because God is not going to talk to us, an angel from heaven is not going to talk to us, it's going to be other men that must tell us what we must do to be saved. And Paul went straight to work thinking of the spiritual welfare of others, he, he had the golden rule in mind. God's grace, mercy was, was bestowed on him, and now he's wanting to bestow it on others. In Acts chapter 9, verses 19 and 20, and when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Many times when we're first converted, that's all our mindset. We've got to go, 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 go. But sometimes that's not the wisest thing because we don't have enough understanding of the, the Word of God. But in the first century, they had the help of the Holy Ghost. That's why the Holy Ghost was so important in the first century. But it was because of his attitude. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me; yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul says that's that's what I've got to do. That's what he was chosen to do. But he also had a realistic goal. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-two. When he says, "As a, I became a Jew, as a Jew; Greek, as a Greek." And he keeps going down the list. But in verse 22, he says, To the weak became I as weak, that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men. Why? That I might by all means save some. Paul didn't have the, the goal set that he was going to save everybody. But he became as such that he could save everybody if they had the right part. But he had a he had the right mindset, he knew that he would only be able to save some. Part number three this morning is God's way versus man's way. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth on a life, and few there be that find it. We to what? Seek the straight gate. That word straight in the Greek means narrow. It means from obstacles standing close about. Okay? Narrow, well he says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. So he would be saying narrow, narrow. We'll see the reason why it's narrow is because it's from the Greek word. It means crowd those obstacles for well, those obstacles are tribulation one way leads to life John chapter 14 verse 16 Jesus saith on him I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh on the water but by me there's only one way that's going to lead it to heaven however that one way will have tribulation along the way it will not be an easy path God never promised us it would be easy. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. The the devil's not going to literally put us in prison that we may be tried, but in the first century, they were being put in the prison, and their faith was being tried whether they would deny Christ or not. But he's telling us that that tribulation is going to be short, hence 10th day. It's not going to be very long before you pass from this life, because this life is just a vapor. The broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many will go that path. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, Solomon writes, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, what is wrong with this man? In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse twenty three, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his step. Man can't follow the gospel of men. Only the gospel of Christ will direct a man's step to the gate door that leads to life. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, "I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ." In First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. And Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, "For this cause also, thank we God without season, because when you received what the word of God, when you which you heard of us, the earthen vessels, you received it not as what the word of men, but as in the true the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The true word of God, not perversions of the truth, thoughts of men." In Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse eight and nine flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not god and that obey not the gospel of our lord jesus christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the lord and from the glory of his power obedience to man and not god will lead man to everlasting destruction and then jesus is going to warn to beware of false teachers matthew chapter 7 verse 15 Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raiding wolves. In Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, guess what? Paul told the same thing to the the Ephesian elders. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, not sparing the church. Also of your own selves shall men arise. So elders were going to become false teachers. Speaking perverse things, To draw away disciples after them. See, they're not working to build disciples of Christ. They're working to build disciples of themselves. And so speaking of perverted gospel, making disciples of themselves and not disciples of Christ. And so what's going to be the problem here? They will appear righteous. Just as that stone appeared like bread. How do we judge who is a false teacher? Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And so it's going to be the things that they teach, the things that they stand for. The seed is the word of God. If they are speaking things contrary to the word of God, it will not align with truth. It will be the words of man and not the word of God. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, even so, every good truth tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil tree fruit. Matthew chapter 7 verse 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And so he's saying if these people are evil, they're just going to, even though it may appear, it's going to be all evil. And so some truth is not all truth. Some things, they say, some, th- some things they say may sound right. You must examine everything they say to find out whether their fruit is good or whether their fruit is evil. Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into fire. And so every false teacher will have everlasting destruction. But guess what? So will their disciples so will their followers Matthew chapter 7 verse 20 Jesus uh, says wherefore by their fruit ye shall know them Jesus warns his listeners again to be watchful for false teachers because they're not going to spare the flock they're going to they're try to divide that one sheepfold this is the reason why there will be so many destroyed on that day is because they followed the teachings of a false teacher and not the pure teachings of the gospel of Christ. Few verses many. In Noah's day how many were saved? 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 20, which sometimes were disobedience when once the long suffering God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing were in few. That is, eight souls were saved by water. How many millions died on that day, though? The number, uh, no, the numbered fighting men of Israel. How many made it into the promised land, and how many which many were destroyed? In Numbers twenty-six verse sixty-five. For the Lord has said of them, they sh- shall surely die in the wilderness, and there sh- there was not left a man of them save Caleb the son of Jephunneh. Uh, and Joshua the son of the nun. Two out al- of how many? Numbers chapter 1, verses 45 and 46. So were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go forth to war in Israel, even all that were numbered were 600,000 and six hundred thousand and three thousand uh, and five hundred and fifty. Two out of six hundred three thousand five hundred fifty were saved, and so just as um, Lydia, remember she went down to the river, but she was seeking the Lord, and when she heard the things that Paul said to her, the Lord opened her heart on the things that he spoke, and so. You don't want to cast the pearl before the swine, but there are good, honest hearts that are seeking the truth. And so when those come in our pathways, we should be ready to teach them. So, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, we invite you to do so by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17, so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Once you hear it, you'll believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 and many other signs truly that Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing you may have life through his name. And then you will have to do repentance because without repentance you're going to perish. Luke 13 3 and 5, I tell you nay but except you repent you shall all likewise perish. And then you must uh, confess Jesus before men. That is the confession made unto salvation, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in the water, that is to have your sins washed away, just as Paul did when he called on the name of the Lord, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. <coughs> now I tearest thou? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, uh, and now, why tearest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And then you, we have been commanded to live faithful until death because we are going to come along tribulation along the way, but God expects us to remain faithful to him. We sought him in the first place. We should continue to seek him throughout our lifetime. Revelation 2:10. Fear none of those things which ye shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in the prison that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful until death, and I will give thee a crown of life. However, if we have become unfaithful because we have no longer sought God, God has allowed us to be able to come back <clears throat> to him by having prayer said on your behalf, repenting of those things which were contrary to his will. Uh, and so if we can help you in either way, if you'll come to the front, us together we we'll sing, sing the song of the earth